Chapters 19 and 20 of The Long, Long Trail by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19. The whole theory of Dreer's strategy in remaining in Salt Springs was the theory of the rabbit which cowers in a hole while the hunters sweep on along the probable trail. But if the rabbit raises its head before the hunt has driven by, its trick is worse than useless, it is suicidal. And if Jess Dreer, while half a dozen headhunters were scouring distant mountains around Salt Springs in pursuit of him, should appear in the center of danger, he would be fully in the role of the silly rabbit. Yet he was called upon to act, and from the first moment of that call he had not the slightest hesitancy. The only question was how he should strike at Judd Boone. One possibility presented itself at once— aside from the people on the valentine ranch and they would not be apt to be in salt springs there was only one man who was apt to recognize him and that was the sheriff of the southland caswell suppose therefore that he boldly walked into the bar of carroll's saloon at the time when charlie valentine arrived for the saddle and if matters reached a crisis stepped between charlie and danger the repute of judd boone had reached his ears even in the distant south yet he was perfectly willing to take a chance against the bad man the thing that troubled him was that if he entered into a shooting fracas with boone he would certainly be detained for an inquiry after the affair was over and in that case caswell or someone else was certain to recognize him it was suicidal therefore to face boone in the saloon it remained to stop him before he entered the saloon and that was the plan of the outlaw the first thing he had done when he took refuge with carroll was to secure from the gambler a rudely sketched map of salt springs the trails around it and the location and the alleys branching from the main street as well as a position of each house and the name of the owner a task far from complicated to this plan he now had reference, and having located his goal, he left his room. It was not difficult to escape from Carroll's gambling house without attracting attention. In the first place, the men within the building were occupied with interesting affairs of their own. In the second place, there was an easy back door for Jestrier. He had only to slip from his window out onto the broad shelving roof, along this he worked to the lowest corner over the rear of the house and having made sure that no one was in sight he dropped noiselessly to the ground and remained where he fell bunched and moveless while he examined again everything around him no living thing moved within range of his eye behind him the gaming-house still bustled softly with humming voices and the occasional clink of glasses but all the rest of salt springs was gathered in a black sleep so he went boldly down the main street until coming opposite the house he wanted he walked to the front door of it and knocked luckily there was someone still up even at this hour for a light flickered yellow in an upper window in answer to the knock after a moment a window was flung up noisily Jess Dreer stepped back from the flat face of the shack, for in spite of its two stories there was no sign of a veranda, and he could look straight up to the second level of the building. 
there he saw that the window had been opened in the lighted room but the occupant was not standing in view he remained to one side and his bulky shadow wavered across the curtain above him who's there he called in a rather guarded voice a friend with news who do you want to see drear made swift calculations and then took his chance why i want to see you judd a silence he could not tell how that announcement was taken and yet by the change in the shadow he had no doubt that the other was striving to reconnoitre the midnight visitor and at the same time remain himself in covert law-abiding citizens were not apt to show such remarkable discretion and drear's belief that his guess was right was growing stronger when the voice went on well and who are you that wants to see me look down said jess knowing perfectly that the other could not distinguish his face by the starlight look down and you'll recognize me judd i ain't a bat how can i see in the dark what's your name don't you even know my voice said jess in aggrieved tones then let me come up and surprise you judd the other did not reply for a moment then he reached a decision come to-morrow too late now come to-morrow whist jess drear whispered he stepped closer to the wall and cupped his hand about his whisper to-morrow be too late judd at this the shadow swerved on the curtain then a whisper answered come on up partner the front door's open this end of the hall door on the right so jess drear entered the house and went up hurriedly over the uncarpeted stairs that creaked at every step and down the hall until he tapped at the designated door come in said the other and jess entering found on the other side of the room a blocky fellow prematurely bald perhaps thirty-five years old with the small chunky hands and the little feet which often denote a man of agility he stood beyond a little deal table with his hands resting lightly on his hips and an expression of face and attitude which betokened the utmost readiness for action all of these things jess drear noted with a familiar eye and while he closed the door without turning away from the stranger he allowed a broad grin to spread over his face the hands of judd boone slipped a little farther down his thighs a fake eh he said grimly it's the first time judd that i've ever been called a fake and who the devil might you be my name is something that i handle real tender as a matter of fact of late years every time i have to mention my name i most generally have got to mention my gun at the same time you know how it is this amiability seemed by no means to the liking of judd boone he studied his man from beneath a deepening frown and by the twitching of his lips it was easy to see that he was of two minds whether to pitch the stranger headlong through the door or let him continue to talk perhaps it was the width of the shoulders of jess that discouraged the first notion i don't know nothin averred judd boone but i'd like to know what you want out of me talk said jess helping himself to a chair by hooking a foot under it and swinging it dexterously behind him talk is my prime reason for coming here judd you know me huh i never seen you before said jess smiling again the face of the other grew tense for an instant 
he made half a step sideways toward the window and then seemed to realize that he could not look out of it without relinquishing his watch upon his visitor i ain't got any friends with me said jess if that's what's bothering you i ain't got the sheriff down below waiting for me to bring you out and what's any sheriff got to do with me hmm? i leave that to you said jess with a careless gesture but the gesture was with his left hand the right remained resting easily upon his thigh all of which judd boone took into careful consideration come short with me stranger he said what do you want i'm a tolerable peevish man and i need sleep just now i'm agreeable what i want is a promise judd boone gasped if i had my pick between a million and a nerve like yours he declared with wondering admiration i don't know which i'd take you want a promise out of me gentleman's agreement i want you to keep your hands off charlie valentine when he comes in to-morrow there's been a lot of fool talk floatin around this town declared the gunman about what i figure on with charlie valentine i ain't never seen him and i don't never want to but first i want to know what is the point you knife in it judd i'll tell you i'll double the ante you got from the normans i'll give you a thousand bucks in cold cash if you just fade out of salt springs and make no noise in response the latter merely stared with narrowed eyes i see nodded jess you ain't so cheap as i figured what's your price i don't know what you mean declared jed boone but if i did know i reckon i'd have to bust you in two partner and throw the loose ends out the window if that's the way of it and jess smiled then maybe you know enough think again judd what's your price i'll tell you the price of a whole hide for you said the gunfighter and that's to get up and back out of this joint mighty quick i'm tired of your funny chatter friend my money won't talk it don't my my now we're getting real cross but listen to reason you get hired for one job to bump off valentine but now it's a different job you got two men on your hands meanin you're the other meanin just that and do you think that'd stop me partner that's what i think he lowered his voice to the volume of a whisper i'm drear judd chapter twenty it caused an astonishing change in the face of the other drear saw a desperate thought balancing in the eyes of boone but then the glitter died away it was a slow death and for a time either fought the other with his eyes just as two men try grips until the hand of one weakens crumbles in such a manner the nerve of judd boone keyed up to the point of fighting broke and weakened in the first moment had jess drear made the slightest motion toward a weapon gunplay would have resulted and drear knew it perfectly well his hands did not stir but the faint sneer was stamped upon his face and his eyes never wavered until the mouth of judd boone sagged open a little and his glance grew dull you're drear he said huskily i'm drear judd boone raised an uncertain hand and wiped his dry lips then he shrugged his shoulders and managed to chuckle i might have known you he said with an attempt at cheeriness as a matter of fact i've heard old tom lesand talk a pile about you put her there he crossed the room with a swagger and extended a hand which drear instantly took 
but on the part of boone it was unconditional surrender and both men knew it just as some promising prize-fighter who would beat an ordinary man to a pulp is suddenly frozen to helplessness when he is placed in the ring with a champion in his class so boone collapsed under the eye of his companion and he hated drear for his superiority what i don't figure he said is why you didn't tell me your name the minute you come in i knew i could trust you judd the other lied smoothly but i've sort of formed a habit of keeping my name in the dark mostly it don't do no good but a lot of harm you know how it is sure sure have a drink i'm keeping clear of the booze thanks judd boone flushed and then sat down in turn during the rest of the talk his eyes were mostly lowered only flashing up for an instant at the face of drear when the latter spoke now we'll talk turkey let's go back to the matter of the coin judd i know how it is a gent will get in a hole so that he needs a bit of coin and money ain't got nothing to do with it cried judd boone he writhed in his chair i'll tell you the straight of it i'm bustin loose from the old game drear you know me you know i ain't been any little tin angel but you don't have anything on me nothing cold there ain't a man living that could put me behind the bars how many of the dead could have given that evidence was the thought of jess drear and now i found some blood kin of mine these normans they want me to settle down with them they need me and if i'm to go straight i need them it ain't easy to go straight a gent's past is apt to come up and turn him wrong any time besides he choked there's a girl judd suggested jess drear with singular emotion maybe admitted the other flushing here's my point this charlie valentine is a bad one he's got the makings of a gunman he ought to be stopped before he gets going real good you see he was arguing desperately and jess drear sat back with a vague pity beginning to work in his heart pity and contempt this hardened rascal to talk of stopping the career of a gunfighter but he saw that there was a grain of sincerity buried in the talk of Judd Boone. The man meant it. He wanted to go straight and to break away from his past. The whole story came out as he talked. He had been passing through that section of the country. He had stopped in at the house of Joel Norman, a distant cousin. He had fallen desperately in love with Joel's daughter May the girl had liked him she had shown it and he had tried to play the game straight by going to joel and asking his consent to the marriage but joel put him away with horror and judd boone left the country with hatred for his whole clan in his heart then they sent after him and joel put up the proposition to him he was to write the affair of valentine and avenge the shooting of joe norman that done no cash would change hands but judd if may was still willing could marry her and settle down on a piece of land which joel would stock for him his past would be forgotten the family power of the normans would be used to the utmost to restore judd's standing as a law-abiding citizen not that this tale flowed smoothly from the lips of judd it came brokenly illuminating phrases told whole episodes in a second that's how i'm fixed he concluded i don't aim to kill valentine i just want to 
wait a minute said jess drear if charlie was a common cowhand you wouldn't need to kill him you could drill him through an arm or a leg and let him go but he ain't that kind he's a fast boy judd and you know what that means just as well as i know if you meet him you'll have to shoot to kill so would i if i met him just the same as we'd have to shoot to kill if we got tangled up with each other once more judd boone met the eye of drear and quailed put it short he said at length how far'll you go for this valentine to the limit they must a paid you high said judd bitterly there's no other way out there ain't a single way we got a give way one of us judd and that one ain't going to be me a gray color invaded the face of judd boone he rose slowly from his chair with his arms dangling stiffly at his sides drear i can't step out i've give my word and i'd rather go to hell than to face her after running out on my promise he swayed himself a little back and forth and set his teeth with every scruple of energy in his soul and body he was striving to call up the fighting passion but the result was only a dull glare and the mouth of the gunfighter was twitching loosely if you're going to stop me drear you got to stop me now the sneer deepened on the thin lips of drear you poor fool he said contemptuously look down at your hand a chinaman could beat you to your own gun boone and shoot you full of holes as one fascinated by a superior power boone looked down saw the quaking fingers of his hands and dropped back in his chair his face was buried and he groaned jess drear walked to him and touched the trembling massive shoulders the gunfighter dared not look up listen to me judd i'm sorry for you i ain't your confessor but i tell you i've heard some awful things about you and about what you done to your partner that found that claim for you back of angleville about a pile of other things i've heard too but i'll say now that i don't believe em i'm going to do my part by you how do i know that this charlie valentine is enough of a man to be worth all this trouble and pain saving maybe in a pinch he'd show yeller i've seen it done he's done nothing but clean up on a bunch of kids how'd he act facing a real fightin gent like you that's the question well judd we'll try him out you go to that saloon to-morrow and you hang around until charlie valentine comes in then give him a try walk up to him and see if he's got the nerve to meet you laugh at him mock him tell him what you're going to do in the line of fillin him full of lead and when you're done with that just tell him to get out of the saloon and then stand still and look him in the eye. There ain't one chance in ten that he'll come through. Most likely he'll try to grin and then back out. And if he does that, you're through. You've done your part better than the Normans could have asked, because you'll have shamed the boy. Aye, it would be worse than shooting him in a way, but I'll stand by and give you the chance. And I tell you straight, it costs me more'n you'd guess to do it. But you go ahead. Try his nerve but if he don't buckle and quit if he don't walk out of the saloon if he stands ready for a fight then judd you won't be fightin him you'll be fightin me because i'll be standin by and the minute the test comes i'm going to call your name out and you and me'll finish what you and him begun do you mean it cried judd boone leaping to his feet exultant i mean it but how can you stand around in carroll's place what have you seen i won't be seen but i'll be seeing 
then partner you'll see this charlie valentine crumple up like wet paper when i get my eye on him and i know how to work it his face went savage indeed he had had a practical demonstration that night of the power which one eye may exert upon another there's one thing more said jess drear slowly you know my name you know i'm wanted if you was to spread the news around that i was in town it might be kind of bad for me i'll leave it to your honor judd give me your hand cried judd you've met me halfway and you can trust me to go square with your partner so long then and the outlaw back to the door waving his hand and was gone end of chapters nineteen and twenty